There are days when you are just not feeling it. Days where you feel like you've lost your mojo. If you're looking to get it back, then you've tuned to the right station. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have you in the house. Thanks for hitting the download button. If you're new to the show, what do we do here? Robbo and I just find interesting people that have got their mojo working and can share something with us to make us better in or out of work. That primarily is what the show is all about. It's light and bright, it's a little bit country, it's a little bit rock and roll, and uh, as we like to say here in the studio, it's pretty loose. Keeping the looseness loose, Robbo, how you doing today, mate? Oh, I'm a bit, <laughs> I'm a bit bruised and battered. Do you like the black eye? <laughs> yeah, what's going on? <laughs> uh, a bit of golden oldies footy on the weekend, but um, golden lots oldies. of fun. Golden oldies, how'd you go, mate? How'd you oh, go? Look, I, can, can I can I blow my own trumpet? Oh, we're almost we're, we're almost a hundred <laughs> shows in. I reckon you've earned the right. We are the um, the Withered Oaks, the Oak Hill Boys, which I play for. We turned up at Waitara Oval for a um, a six team round robin competition on Sunday. And uh, we played 120 minutes of football. And um, who do you think might have walked away with best and fairest for no. the day? Yes. Yes. Oh, my big fella. <laughs> hey, Tim Tams all around. Yeah, I oh, know. A nice bottle of port was the reward for that one. So, oh. Um, so, yeah, no, it was a great day. So um, there was, oh, look, a whole bunch of teams from around here. It was a great day. So um, good day to all the blokes who I madly told about the Mojo Radio Show over a few beers afterwards. <laughs> hey, you get a bottle of port. <laughs> A bottle of port for best and fairest for the day, yeah. Oh, Got to be happy with that. When I was a kid that. and I was playing Australian rules football mm. at centre-half forward mm. for Acacia Ridge in Brisbane in the A-grade, the boroughs, yeah. we used to finish our game, yeah. have a couple of forex, and then we'd turn to the port. <laughs> and we used to mix port with ginger ale. Ooh, and that's that was our material. Drink. Mate, a bottle of port. <laughs> a litre of uh, ginger ale was a night of possibilities for the kookaburras, let me tell you. Oh, goodness me. Well, the blokes from the Hornsby Club who hosted the day were walking around with a sheep drencher full of port <laughs> during the afternoon, so <laughs> they had it sorted out. <laughs> that is gold. All right, we should get into uh, we should get into this show. Let's do this it. Is, this is going way off the rails. <laughs> Talking about sheep drench, let's get into the show. The Mojo Radio Show. Now, I'm a fan of a podcast uh, by a guy called James Altucher, mm. who is a New York Times best-selling author, and he wrote a book called Choose Yourself, which went on to be very, very successful. What got me onto the piece you're about to hear is there was a story in the New York Times that this guy, James Altucher, who is a bit of an experimenter and he's quite an eclectic character, but it's a very, very good show that he runs on iTunes. The headline is why self-help guru James Altucher owns only 15 things. And he is currently picking up on this trend that you and I have talked about of minimalism and tiny homes where becoming a digital nomad's all the go where you have less possessions, but it's the meaning of what you have, the meaning of what you can create and serve and give back to others is more important. And he's basically just jumping from Airbnb or from mate's couch to mate's couch with this bag. So that's the first part of it. I thought, you know, this is interesting how these guys who are the leading edge of like podcasts and writing and blogging, very successful, are doing this. So it's, it is a trend that's going to continue to grow. One thing that I wanted to share, which I thought was quite cool, was that in his book, Choose Yourself, he talks about um, he has these four different principles and the principles themselves are quite interesting. Now, in his book, Choose Yourself, there is a particular section of the book and he talks about his daily practice. And this came from when he was a kid and he said to his dad that he wanted three things in life and pretty much was centered around happiness and being happy and not being stressed. So he created this daddy practice, which is made up of four things. And I, I thought this is a really good thing for us to ponder and perhaps write in our journal to say, well, are these four things in our day? The first thing was the physical. And the physical is about eating the right foods. So live foods, we've talked about breakfast and how important it is to re- eat the right things. Get your eight hours of sleep at night and his is get to bed by nine and rise by five and break a sweat at least 10 minutes a day. So they're all things that we can do in the physical. 
Then he talked about the emotional, which is just simply be around people who love you and people you love. So we could check that up and go, well, each day, are we really around people that we love or people who love us? The third thing was the mental. And what he does for the mental, this is the creativity part, the journaling part, but he writes a list of 10 ideas every day to exercise his idea muscles. So he'll pick out one thing and sit down with his journal. It doesn't matter how long it takes him to write down 10 ideas for that thing, as obscure as it may be, because it exercises his, his, his brain, his, his idea muscle. And the fourth one, which is pretty cool, is his spiritual bucket. And that's just feeling gratitude every day. So back to your journal where you just write down the three things you're grateful for. So the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual, they're pretty easy to put into your day, but it's a pretty good checklist, don't you reckon? It is a very good checklist, isn't it? And I'm interested in the, um, particularly interested in the, um, the gratitude journaling because I know we've spoken about that on the show before, but I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, one of my mate's wives has actually started gratitude journaling, but she started doing it publicly on Facebook. Yeah. And the amount of people that comment on what she's putting up there it's incredible. It seems to actually start a whole new discussion. And the reason I bring it up is because what occurred mm. to me is that you're not only, you know, putting your gratitude out there and doing your gratitude journaling, you're actually starting that conversation with a whole bunch of other people and maybe starting a similar train of thought. You know what I mean? So your gratitude's actually passing down the train, which I kind of like. I think so. I mean, some days we can have a day where it all just goes to crap. There's no, mm. there's no doubt about that. We all have those days. Mm. And perhaps by reading what somebody else is grateful for on a post. Mm. It allows you to step back and go, well, I had a crap day. It's all gone to the crap. But you know what? Actually, there's a few things I'm grateful for. And I I share what she said. I'm also grateful for that. And I think even mm. that just moment just breaks that whole downward spiral of so that's uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, contribution from you there, Rob. I'm grateful for your contribution. Oh, went went hard. But um, no, I like that. <laughs> I think that's a great story though. 15 possessions he's carrying around with him. I mean, you know, Tim Tam's come in a pack of 12. <laughs> so you got 15 packets of 12. You're laughing. You're way ahead of the game. You're such an overachiever. But it is good. I mean, I, I, I'll post the story from the New York Times on the show notes. Mm. That in itself is interesting because we've been following this whole digital nomad thing mm. for quite a while. It is mm. becoming more prevalent. And it just mm. goes to prove that it's doable because this guy is making a very successful living through his podcast, his books, his blog, and he's living out of a backpack with 15 things in it. Yeah. I also like this checklist of the physical, the emotional, the mental and the spiritual because I reckon if we had that as part of our focus and the checklist, it would just mean the most important things on our wagon wheel are taken care of. So, yeah, um, totally. Anyway, I like that. I, I, this is, and I do like his podcast. He's, uh, he's a very good interviewer, very interesting. I have to check it out. I've got a bit of good news too. Robbo's 20 cents worth. I've been doing a bit, of, uh, a bit of Google searching and I've come across a really nice story out of um, far north Queensland. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I know you think there are lots of great things that come out of Queensland. I would tend to disagree. Well, I mean, apart from 10 state of origins out <laughs> okay. of 11, yes. uh, one of the greatest footballers in the world. Yes. Uh, hello, JT. He's a big fan <laughs> of the show. JT, all the boys, the Cowboys. There you go, yeah. there, fellas. I saw him on the TV the other day and I noticed on his iPod the, um, the Mojo Radio Show logo was flashed up there, so he must have been listening at the time. No, this actually comes from far north Queensland, out of the rainforest of all places. Um, an Australian scientist named uh, Dr Glenn Boyle has found a chemical that's only contained in a seed that comes out of a, a plant that grows in the rainforest up there, and he's named the chemical EBC46. Now, he's been doing some research with that and playing around with possible cancer vaccines and cures. And he's shown in lab animals that within four hours of injecting it into cancer cells um, like melanoma, as well as cancers of the head, neck and colon, within four hours it had started to um, decrease the viability of the cancer. And in some cases, within 24 Mm. hours, it had destroyed the cancer completely. So what it actually does is it seems to be cutting off somehow the blood supply to these tumours and basically killing them. So um, I thought there was a couple of nice ties in for the Mojo Show there. We've had a couple of guests on. Shelley Whitehurst comes to mind straight away. Cancer sufferers um, and the troubles and trials that they go through. Um, and I just thought, what a nice story that, you know, this scourge of the, 
you know, the past hundred years may well be close to coming to an end. Well, we also have one of the world's great uh, brain surgeons coming on the show in a couple of weeks mm. as part of Rocktober, uh, Dr. Charles Teo, Charlie Teo, who has been voted the last two years being the most trusted man yeah. in Australia. He's coming on, wonderful brain surgeon, just a terrific guy. So he'll be sharing. He's at the, That'll be a cracking show, actually. This yeah. guy's uh, got amazing. So this whole cancer thing is obviously pretty close to our chest, but I have to say the the EBC 46 has mm. to be a big improvement on the EBC 42 because I thought that <laughs> as, as a product. It didn't really quite, didn't I quite just, cut uh, it. <laughs> oh, look, I was happy with it. When, when, they, when they brought out the EBC 45, that yeah, was a vast was improvement better. on the 42. Yeah. But i got to say, I'm very excited by the EBC 46. <laughs> Okay, Gaz, You'd Gaz in North how, Queensland. Yeah, yeah, Boilsy. Hey, a lot of good things come out of North Queensland, man. I lived up there. I know it well. I'm a good Innisfail boy. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. So our guest this week, Robo, is Kim Chandler McDonald. And we had a listener of the show uh, suggest that we get Kim Chandler McDonald on the line with us. Um, so thank you, Tarns, for the shout-out and the suggestions. We got in touch with Kim. It turns out Kim is an expert in innovation and disruption. Now, this is an area that I personally am very, very interested in. Kim Chandler McDonald is an author and co-founder of Flat World Navigator, which is a product that comes from her company, Kim Mick, which is a business set up with her and her husband, and it's basically looking at the game-changing web infrastructure and how innovation fits into this thing they call the flat world. Kim is a globally respected thought leader on disruption, uh, transformational trends, what's going on around the planet and how it affects us and what we can do about it. All areas, Robbo, that you and I are intensely interested in. Uh, would I be right? Absolutely. Totally. I loved a bit of disruption. Yeah, we love, we love a good disruption. We do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Kim, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you so much. Now, let's bring everybody up to speed. What sort of work do you do today? And typically, who would you be doing it with or for? Oh, I wear a lot of hats, which is kind of novel considering I've got this much hair. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's true. Just just curls, 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 curls. Putting a hat on is, is, is different. But yes, I, I wear a number of hats. So um, I am an author. And I write books about innovation and innovators and a role I call Flat World Navigator. Um, and I'll explain a little bit about Flat World Navigator in a second. But essentially, in writing the books, what I do is create a wish list of fascinating, interesting um, inspiring, influential people who are at the top of their game. And I ask them if they would let me interview them. And generally speaking, they say yes. So that's, that's a big part of what I do during the day. Um, I am the flat world navigator of a company I co-founded with my husband. And a flat world navigator is essentially the person who builds bridges. You know, we, we, um, we connect, we communicate, we collaborate, we build authentic relationships. So that's my job with the company, Kimic which is um, the first three letters of my name, Kim, and the first three letters of my husband's name, Michael. So um, we, we, we are that sappy, frankly. We, did, we, did. <laughs> we, we are total cheesemeisters. It's, it's very true. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's my job with Kimmick, um, as well as, I guess, um, evangelizing for Kimmick and, and, and introducing what we believe is to be um, – um, absolutely game-changing uh, innovative technology that uh, Michael has created uh, and that is called Flat World. So let's let's start with your book, uh, Innovation, How Innovators Think, Act and Change Our World. From yes. your findings from doing those interviews, Kim, what did you find? How, how do innovators think and act? If you had to summarise it down and be very succinct about Here's what I found that was most prevalent amongst these innovators. Yeah. What was the finding? Um, well, funnily enough, I think real innovators are very similar to um, entrepreneurs in that they take risks. They put themselves out there. Um, it's, you know, I, I think that they are um, 
people who are willing to go all in and, you know, they get skin in the game and they say, I believe in this. And even if you think I'm crazy, I know I'm right and I'm going to keep going on it. Uh, and I think that is the most important thing I, I came away with is that um, they don't stop. They don't give up. It's it's a, a, I guess, a purity of purpose. You know, they they know what they have to do and they're willing to do it. At what point, I'm always curious about this, Kim, at what point does someone who's going all in, mm. giving it all, they have a purpose, they have a dream of what they want to achieve, mm. at what point is this a dog that just won't hunt, that they go, you know what, I've given it everything. At what point can they make that decision? Because, you know, sometimes just beyond that point of break or that absolute total discomfort is the breakthrough, but other times we pull up short. Other times it is just a dog that won't hunt. It's just you're just wasting your time. How does one know? You know, um, I think if there was a a blueprint, if there was an easy answer to that question, <laughs> um, you know. There's the next all, book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, there, there isn't an easy answer to that. I mean, frankly, I don't know. Yeah. I can tell that um, – so, for instance, with Michael and I, we started seven years ago. We honestly thought it was going to take us six months mm. because we weren't cognizant of what was actually going to have to be built, what was going to have to be um, rethought, redesigned. Uh, you know, we, everything had to be built. We didn't understand that when we started out. And if we had, I don't know if we would have done it. Mm. You know? um, uh, now, I don't have kids, but I am told by women that um, if they knew how much childbirth would have hurt, when they, they probably wouldn't have got pregnant. Do, do you know what I mean? It's one of those yeah. things where you just and, – and, and, and when you have one, you kind of forget because if you didn't forget, you wouldn't have the second. <laughs> so all the time that you think this is too hard – and it is too hard, but the alternative is unthinkable. It's interesting. I remember interviewing the CEO of Bridge Climb, which is mm. a very famous tourist attraction um, in Sydney yeah. where people climb up and over the bridge, uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge. Now, that's and crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> it's, I mean, I must say, I've done it a couple of times. It's, it's an amazing experience. And Paul Cave was the man who had the dream of doing it. And it took him some 10 years, I think, from start to finish. He went bankrupt three times. And I remember hearing from the CEO and, in fact, seeing Paul speak one day. We're on the same platform speaking. And he said, if I'd have known how hard it was going to be, I would never have started it. So sometimes it's kind of, in a way, the, the ignorance is kind of a stepping stone, isn't it? Oh, and, 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 it's, and it's, I think, necessary because um, – as I said, if you knew, you just wouldn't do it. It's and and when people say to you, "That's crazy," and you think, "Well, in a way, I, I guess," but that's that's my crazy, you know. Um, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's that's that's. that's there's the crazy. quote of the day, Robbo. That's my crazy goals. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, we'll use that again. Yeah. You'll hear that that's again. My, that's my crazy. That's, that's going to go on the Rocktober promo. That's my crazy. <laughs> I'm fascinated by. The work you've done in talking to so many innovators across so many different categories and fields and collaborators and so on, in your mind, how has innovation changed, say, in the last decade? So I've been curious about creativity, innovation, imagination for many, many years, and right now it seems to be different to, say, back in the day when I first got curious about it. How, how are you seeing it changing of recent times? That's a, that's a really interesting question. There's one particular man who I interviewed for my first book. Um, now, his name is David Pensack, and he is um, amazing. You know, this is a man who has been, um, I guess, at the forefront of, of innovation for decades. He was the person who created the very first commercial firewall. He continues to innovate and, and, and um, invent. He told a story about... Um, as a child, having Albert Einstein come over to his family's home and oh, to drop a name because <laughs> you, you know, boom, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he talks about how Einstein actually—he was a little child—and he sat in 
the sandbox with him and they started talking about uh, something, sand, water, how it, it displaced things. But, but the fact, the, the point is that Einstein was able to sit in a sandbox and talk in a language that his audience, which at that time was a small child, could understand and explain something of importance and that resonated and stuck. So that that has, I think, been something that is is important throughout innovation. If if you can explain your story per se in a in a language that your listeners understand and resonate with, you are going to um, have more cheerleaders and more support. That's not necessarily what an innovator's strength is. Mm. David David is, um, I, I think, frankly, a, a, a wannabe stand-up comedian as well. The man, the man tells stories, he tells jokes, he is, he is unusual in oh so many ways. But that is not the norm. For the most part, I find that innovators um, are so, so close to the coalface, they're so close to what they understand and know that it's very difficult for them to pull back and find a way of telling their stories. Now what's happening, I guess what is new is that people like myself have come along and, you know, I guess I was called once the innovators communicator. So there, there, there are storytellers who are getting involved and saying, let me help you to tell the story. And, for me, the, the reason I became an innovator's communicator is I got a little frustrated because I was watching, frankly, generations of young people aspire to nothing more than being a nation's next top model or some, somebody's X factor. And I thought, well, actually, you know what, my, as, as I see it, the economy of the nations I live in are not going to get much out of somebody who's just going to be the next top model. I need people getting involved in science and engineering and technology and and the things that are moving things forward for communities at every level. So I had to ask myself, why aren't kids excited about this anymore? And it seemed to me that no one was telling their stories. You know, you didn't, there's no MacGyvers on TV anymore. You know, it's, 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 it's all about, um, um, models and DJs and, and, and that's, that's great, but it's not enough. So I wanted to find a way to tell innovators stories in a way that resonated with the general public. It's very interesting because when, I'm about to do a Kickstarter campaign and in looking back through mm. successful Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaigns, crowdfunding campaigns, it seems the most successful campaigns, which in a lot of cases are for products that are creating a brand new category. Now, whether it be a big innovation or just a new idea or a repackaging of something to solve a better problem. But it seems the ones that are the most successful, to your point, are the ones that actually tell a great story about how they can make someone's life better in some way. So that's very interesting because I guess crowdfunding is a new innovation in terms of getting funding. But then there are probably some cracking, cracking products or services that are going to die on the tree because they didn't tell a great story. So I think that point you're making is um, is really interesting for all of us to really consider is the story, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And that kind of links to the the last book I wrote, which um, is, is uh, gosh, I mean, it's called, <laughs> surprisingly enough, Flat World Navigation. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it looks at um, networking and communicating in the digital economy. But in actual fact... I, I extend the digital economy to something I call the DACE, the D-A-C-E, which is the digital attention and collaboration economy, because that's that's really where we're living, is in the midst of this, of, of the digital, the attention, and the collaboration. So if you can find a way to um, tell your story that grabs attention and that enables connection and collaboration, be it between you and your client, you and your colleague, you and your customer, whoever it is, you're creating a relationship. 
And if you understand that you have to be muscularly involved in that relationship, it, it, I think, goes a long way to helping you to tell your story. So there are a couple of things you need to think about. And, and the first one, I think, is that the new ROI is return on involvement. And this is particularly true when you're doing some sort of Kickstarter or social funding. You have to be involved. You can't just put the video up and think that's the end of the story. You have mm. to be continually communicating with the people who are supporting you and asking their help in, in extending that, that uh, community. It's with regards to the, the clients you have, the customers you have getting involved with them and finding out what they really want and how you can help them to get there. It's getting involved. It's not, it's not throwing out jargon and spin and spam because frankly, people are, people are immune to that. They're just not listening to it at all. So you have to find your authentic voice. You have to bring, you have to bring your enthusiastic self to the table because you know, frankly, passion is priceless and it's free. Mm -hmm. So if you can bring your passion to your story, it's going to resonate. And I think that is, is a, a real uh, indicator of how successful your ROI will be. There's another line for the promo, Gary. Passion is priceless. Oh, it's gold. <laughs> it's gold. I feel like we're back in Rio. I feel like we're back in Rio, man. I feel yeah. like I'm on the I just on the podium. I'm just, I'm just putting gold around Kim's neck. I'm just, just get, bring me another one. I don't want that bronze. Just bring me another gold. Um, I, I'm just going to go back to something you said before, Kim. You spoke about innovators have certain traits, but they may not have other traits. And I'm, I'm, I'd just like to to camp there for a second. I read a book by a female MD and the book was on the whole argument of nurture versus nature. And I guess based on your findings and sitting in front of some 200 innovators, collaborators, influencers, where would you put this whole thing about a true innovator in, this, in every sense of the word? Is it Nurture? Is it nature? Like, what's? How do you see that? Um. <laughs> I think that answers the question. Right. Move on, Gary. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can quote me on that. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that you can necessarily make an innovator, but I think you can break one. I think the education system and some some parents i'm sure are are not necessarily best placed to support um the other because that's that's generally what innovators are they're other they are not going to be thinking in the same rote um regular and regulated way that um, systems are generally set up for. Mm. Now, if you can get out of their way, even even if you aren't necessarily understanding how you can support them, even if all you do is get out of their way and let them be, I think that that is um, a positive. But I think that it is not uncommon for innovators to be so focused on what they are doing internally that they may not spend as much time as the norm in learning how to be socially acceptable. Mm, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you know what I mean? And, and that yeah. makes people, that makes people feel odd. It makes them uncomfortable. And as soon as you start making people feel uncomfortable, they are going to perhaps have a reaction to you that is not conducive to supporting you. I look. I don't, I don't know. I I I really loathe about talking about um, parenting because I'm not a parent. I don't know. Um, and in actual fact, I can say that I think it's really hard for innovators who are parents. Because to be all in, to take those risks, to put everything on the line, is the choice you make in as, a, as an adult. But how do you make that choice for your child? 
I don't know. Yeah, I do hear that a bit. I, yeah, you do hear people not taking a risk because they've got, you know, the first thing they say is, and you don't know if it's because they just don't have the kahunas to have a crack at it or it's genuinely I can't risk that because I do have a family. So that is a very valid point. Yeah, Absolutely. So, so therefore when I see, for instance, when I see, um, particularly when I see entrepreneur, entrepreneurially minded women who have – sort of this this not just a, a societal but almost a biological thing happening where they they are compelled towards being a parent to to see how they juggle things. Look I don't have <laughs> I don't have kids, plants or 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 pets, you know? I, I and I barely juggle what I'm doing. Well if it makes you feel any better we have plants, we have pets, we have kids, and we have no clue either, do we, Robert? No, well, none you? at all. <laughs> That's what I, mean. I don't. I don't know how people with with pets do it, let alone kids. You know, the only yeah. thing is, like, yes, the kids don't need walking after a couple of years, but but yeah. So, uh, so my, my, Michael and I are incredibly fortunate that when we make a decision, we make it for ourselves. You know, when we were recently asked if we would be willing to move to the states, and we said, well, you know. It wouldn't be difficult because we can just lock the door here and go there for a while. It's we don't have to think about yeah. what you know we're going to take our kids out of school and 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 anything like that. So for us to be flexible and agile is just part and parcel of who we are and how we live. But um, I think parents don't have that luxury. That's an interesting point. I'm going to sort of take you somewhere from there or hopefully you can take me somewhere from there. So oh, will it be warm? <laughs> will it be warm? <laughs> will it be warm? In fact, that's what I'd like to know. I'd like to know where you're going to take me. So let's look at you and Michael. You just made the comment that we mm. could close the door and move somewhere else. Now, Robbo and I have been following this trend of the digital nomad of how, whether it be with tiny homes or an RV or living in Airbnbs, that there is this whole mindset now of a certain part of the population at whatever age who are digitally on the road as nomads and gypsies. If we go back to taking a child who now is 10 to 12, 14 years old, and they have the current environment around them, they're seeing what is happening. And then they have this view of out behind the break. There's a couple of waves out there of possibility. Based on where you and Michael are, the research you've done, how you're looking at the world differently through your writings and observations, what do you think the workplace of the future looks like? If we project forward to a kid now who's 12 when they're 22, how do you see the workforce versus workplace? In your mind, if you had to hallucinate, what would you say? Oh, I like hallucinating. Um, So I think that there – that is a how long is a piece of string question. Yeah. It is, It is. I think, within our grasp to work wherever we want to. Um, and frankly, with AI and, and robotics and whatnot taking over so much of the heavy lifting, if you will, it is going to be um, those people who think creatively and who work wherever they are um, who I think will, will, will be thriving in this new economy. Um, I See, I was very fortunate as a kid up until, um, gosh, late teens, no, mid, early 20s. I never lived anywhere longer than two years. You know, we, we moved a lot. So I was able to, to gather experiences and, and, and um, uh, knowledge from a really broad spectrum of people. And I think that that is something that has been of great assistance to me in my career. Um, additionally, I, I studied theater in university. So... See, you know, theater people are gypsies. You you go where the the, the role is, um, and you're you're normally touring. If you're if you're particularly if you're in theater, so I'm quite used to the idea of working wherever you are. You know, it, and 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 home is where you are. With regards to the um, 
oh gosh, the general populace, if you will. I think that um, we're becoming more and more comfortable with being connected with the BYOD, bring your own device movement. And um, particularly in, in cities like Sydney that are so focused on lifestyle, if you can find a way to take your work with you on your mobile or your laptop um, to the beach, you, you will. Um, I think that uh, the environment is such that the more that we can um, work local rather than having to commute into the city center yeah. is to do us all good. Uh, it, was, it will do us good with, with um, our, our home life balance and being able to, to do things like raise your kids and uh, uh, be an entrepreneur and, and um, an, an innovator, if you will. So, I, I, you know, I, I think that um, in actual fact, there, it, there is a natural sway to um, working essentially from home or, or yeah. your home office. No, just saying, and the technology is there to support that. I have my own recording studio here at home. I've spent a reasonable amount of money on making sure that it lives up to the professional standards that I need it to. However, when I go out and try to sell myself to advertising agencies and um, you know larger companies around the globe, radio stations probably are separate to this. And I'm sure this attitude exists in more than just audio, which is why I'm asking the question. But the attitude I get is, well, if you're working from home, it can't be as good as you coming in to use our studio here. Um, and, and the quality is not going to be the same. Now, how do you think we, in, in general you answer that question? Like if you were a journalist and, and the newspaper said to you, well, we can't hire you as a freelance journalist because you're in Melbourne and we're in Sydney and you're not going to do as good a job as what the guys in Sydney would do because you don't have the facilities that we have here in our, in our building. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you think we answer that question? Because it's an education thing, isn't it? Uh, I think so. I, I think a really good, good um, genre to look at is um, hip-hop. Mm. And, and if you look at the the recording artists who are doing incredibly well and really exciting things, so many so many of them mix in 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 their bedrooms, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So I think that um, there are examples of of industries or genres where uh, you can do it yourself and mm. have no pushback. Mm. Mm. I, but I will say this. Um, so, one of the reasons that, I, apart from the fact that you know, I, I, my former career is in the media, and I, I was in um, newspaper journalism uh, and uh, or newspapers, magazines. I had a radio show in Amsterdam. And I was able to interview people um, like Madeleine Albright. Uh, you know, I, I, I ticked off some really big names so that when I then shifted into Sydney and, and doing things, I, I had some, some runs on the board. Uh. But what was very clear when I approached people for interviewing for the, the books was that the fact that I had a publisher made me much more interesting to them than if I said I was self-publishing. Now, the books, I don't think, would have been any different, but the gravitas, the seriousness with which they were taken in that arena was very different. Rightly or wrongly, I can't say, but I, I, I can say that, that I know it made a difference. I think it's um, just a shout out before we go any further to Madeline Albright, who's a very big uh, fan of the show. Mads, shout out, Bobby. Ah, <laughs> oh, long term listener, long time listener, no time caller. Um, <laughs> just, um, I, I'm, I, I'd like to ask you about you, Kim. You, one of the things that Rob and I always love about the show is that we learn so much from our guests. I think there's not a show goes by we don't extract gold from a guest. We put into our own lives, in and out of work, uh, in sport, family, health, the whole thing. And I'd just like to know with all the people you've interviewed for your books and you obviously have a mind of a journalist, you're always collecting stories, tips and tools. 
What have you taken from the great innovators and applied to your own world? Like take us through a, a day in your life. Are there things that you have changed or put into your life in order to extract greater or more ideas that you've taken from others you've interviewed? Yeah, you know, I, I would say that the biggest change um, actually came from something my husband said to me, which was, um, don't wait to be invited to sit at the table. Sit down. If they don't want you there, they'll tell you. Ooh, that's good. Gold. Let's go. And, and, and it, it really is because I think like women in particular have this thing where we, no matter how well prepared and well trained we are, there's this little recording on our head saying they're going to find out that I'm not perfect. And men don't have that. Generally, and I'm generalizing, I admit, but men don't have that I'm not good enough tape that runs through. So they're going to just sit at the table and, you know, kind of hang with the guys. And as, as Michael said, you know, if, if they aren't right for the table, the table will tell them. Women will go, uh, they, they will wait to be invited. They will spend time trying to... Um, prove that they're worthy of being at the table. I learned to just sit down. And and you know sometimes you fake it till you make it. You don't you don't know whether you're good enough. You don't know whether you're you're um going to be able to do everything. But you're going to give it your damnedest and and that's that's more than often enough. That, and 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 every single innovator I've spoken to, every single entrepreneur I've spoken to, backs that up. Mm. Sit down. <laughs> you 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 figure it out. That's great. I'm actually loving that. That is uh, that is actual gold. Tell me, Kim, the um, the start of your day. Tell me about the first hour or so of your day. Are you a journaler? Are you a meditator? Like, how does how does your day start in terms of innovation and creativity? Is there is there a connection for you? I'm so embarrassed. My day starts with <laughs> um, okay. So here's the deal. Michael <laughs> makes the tea, so I have at least three cups of tea because I cannot begin to focus on anything till I've had at least three cups of tea, and I read the Guardian. I am I am someone who is very engaged with what is going on in the world. And so I have to know what's going on in the world. And my, my, I, I guess my font of wisdom, if you will, is the Guardian newspaper. So that's, that's, that's my morning. It really is. And um, after that, it, every single day of mine is different. It may be that I have to go and do interviews. It may be that I am being interviewed. It may be that I'm writing. It may be that I am uh, preparing for, for a, a gosh, you know, presentations. It, it, it really depends. Um, and I, I never know until, you know, the day, for instance, what exactly is going to occur. So I'm, I'm pretty fluid and, and, and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, that's uh, good. Do you journal? Are you a, are you a journaler? No, I'm not. I'm not. And I think that's because I, I, you know, I'm a, oh gosh, yeah, I'm a writer. I, I write enough. So when there are times where I literally just cannot face a blind page, so I'm not. I am <laughs> so how do, you, how do you capture ideas? Like what's your method? Do you use Evernote or is there a particular app or a program you use to capture ideas? Like when you are collecting, uh, finding, uh, creating, what do you use? Um, I, I guess I, I, I make notes on my computer. I have, I have uh, essentially I have um, spreadsheets that I, I mm. I chuck things in under certain themes and, 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 um, you know, I, I go that way. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I probably over collect, um, I, I over collect websites. I over collect quotes. I over collect all sorts of things. But, um, what I do with them generally is if there's someone within, for instance, a, a, a newspaper article I read and I think, my God, that's fascinating. Who is that person? I'll go and find them and say, I just read this about you. Would you mind me, you know, chatting with you or getting in touch or linking to you on LinkedIn? You know, I'm, I'm notorious for that on LinkedIn, frankly. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I just read something. Can I be your friend? <laughs> 
When you're over collecting, how do you find it? Do you have a way of tagging what you do in order to be able to find your resources or to refer back to something? Yes, I tag all the time. So that's exactly how I do it, you know, be it. Um, so let me let me just pull up uh, and have a look and see if I can share some of my, my tags if that if that's of interest. Mm. Um, so what have I got here? Uh, uh, in my tags, I have got things like um, – Advisory board potential, arts and artists, um, particular parties, uh, change knowledge management, charity, colleagues, data security, a documentary, because I might be producing a documentary series in, in this fall. I'm not, not 100% sure yet. Um, e-health, e-learning, uh, event planning, uh, government. Uh, it's, it's really random, but they're all related to something that twigs for me and I know. Yeah what I'm thinking about. And then I, I write notes about them on their profile. So I know why I've, why or how or when, you know, it, it, so I, I'm, I'm a tagger rather than a journalist. Can I, can I just tag something in there? If, if you're um, thinking of producing a documentary series, um, can I just tag that with voodoosound.com.au? Done. <laughs> 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 that's not a that's not a tag. It's a Tim Tam. Um, just to before we get to the big question, <laughs> okay? Because they've been so little so far. It's all been a walk in the park until now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One thought from you before we uh, we jump to the big man, the big question. Um, if there is somebody listening to the show who is interested in unlocking their ideas, they want to innovate, and it could be something to do with their their community group, the PNC they're a part of, their footy club, their business, their startup, their whatever, at whatever level. From your findings, is there an often overlooked, easily accessible tool that you could throw to all of us to say, if you want to start the journey to be an innovator, here's where you would suggest we start? So. The most, the most interesting thing to me when talking to a lot of the innovators um, was that they all seem to reference jazz. And that was because of the relevance to collaboration. You get together with other people and you play and it's fun. And what you create together is a lot more interesting, it's a lot more resilient, it's a lot more likely to address a broader range of problems if you're working with other people who play different instruments to you. You don't want to sit down and have a band of 20 trumpets. You don't want to have, you know, six drummers. What you want is a drummer, a guitarist, a bass player, a keyboard. You, you know what I mean? So get out there and find people who can bring something different to the stage and play. I think that is an absolute cracker. I love that analogy. I love everything that goes with it, Robbo. That is, and it's also a beautiful segue it's to just the big a, question. But it's the perfect lead-in, hey, really, isn't it? Stepping stone. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to take you somewhere. That was right? so good. It's, it's, um, it's early morning, Piermont, Sydney, Australia. You've dragged yourself out of bed. Second cup of tea's down for the day, but Mojo's still not really happening. Jump in the car, jump on the bus, on the bike, whatever. Headphones go on, radio goes on. What um, what's the go-to tune to get your Mojo working to see you through the day? Oh wow! I gotta say, really depends on the day. Um, and I okay. I. It, yeah, I mean, I think you probably like that. Hey, there, there are days when you're thinking, you know what? Everybody loves the sunshine and I'm grooving and I'm gigging. And there are other days when I'm like, hate on me. So it really depends on the day. But mm. one that I can say without doubt, a band that I go to probably every day. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know, they were, they were my very first interview, actually. 
And it's one of the most embarrassing stories I can tell. I was such a bad influence, interviewer when I started. The very first question I asked them, I got tongue-tied because I was a fan. And I just, I was, and I looked at, I looked at um, the guys and I said, what's your favorite color? <laughs> Strong leading question. <laughs> Set you up with authority for the rest of the interview. That's great. Oh, it was a good one. It was great. I, I, I started as I meant to go on. Um, and yes, so, but that said, you know, uh, the, the band is called Fat Freddy's Drop. The lead singer, Dallas, was so gracious and he just looked at me and said, you know, reckon it's blue. And that, and I was fine. And I, 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 I actually got better from there on. But yeah, for, for me, Fat Freddy's Drop is, um, it encapsulates great lyrics, uh, funk, dub, a little bit of jazz, uh, um, uh, Everything that makes me smile or is encapsulated in that band. So probably their their song "Roadie" would be the one that I would um, I would go to and 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 um, kind of start shaking my groove thing too. Good answer. Very That's good right. answer. Absolutely. Well, Kim, we uh, we so appreciate your time. You have dropped a lot of gold on us. It has really been a, a fascinating chat, and I think there's something in there for everybody. Anyone who's interested in finding the next idea for something is going to get something from this show. So we really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing. Where, if, for people who want to get in touch with you or find out more about you and Michael, um, where, where would you like to send them? I think the best place to get to know me um, is, frankly, my Twitter account because I I tweet all the time. It's it's where I, I, um, I talk about not just innovation and and um, entrepreneurship but I do a great deal and I, I take quotes from my interviewees and I throw them into my feed so you're going to find out a lot about the people I've interviewed by following me on Twitter but also um, I it's where I am authentically myself so you're going to know what I'm thinking about news and what I'm thinking about what's going on because I don't think there's any reason not to be honest about about it so you can get to me there at um kimic flat world which is k-i-m-m-i-c flat world f-l-a-t-w-o-r-l-d that's probably the best place um, i'm so easy to find on linkedin it's ridiculous um uh, I, I know I'm, I, I get around. What can I tell you? And you, you know, you can go to our company website, which is kimic.com. Um, but, um, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to find anything more than I've, uh, I've shared here. Beautiful. That was brilliant. Well, thank you, Kim. We'll let you mm, on today. Thank you so we, much. uh, we were delighted to talk to you. Hope we can keep in touch. Thank you guys. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. And thanks for not asking me my favorite color, which is green, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ours is gold. The Mojo Radio Show. So did you like that? I did like that and I did like Kim. What a lovely lady. Great lady. Great information. Great gold mm. on that there flat world. And speaking of likes, mm. it's a nice little sedge one, uh, isn't it? What a That's what I like about you. The Mojo Radio Show. What a pro. <laughs> um, we, I just want to say a, a thank you to a, a few people who um, have liked our Facebook page and the show. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that uh, this is quite an international audience. So Nelly Dana, Danaya. Right. Um, and one from Papua New Guinea. Nice. Micheline K. Garogo. Yeah. Kristen Bantug. Zin T. Mossy Kila. Wow. Elizabeth Levanzigaga, Shalini Prasad, yeah. Cheryl Molong, yeah. Tender Paris. So yeah. I just, it's so cool. We're getting people from around the world. It's great, there's isn't very, it? There's some very interesting names. I'd love to know some of the backstories behind those names. But Absolutely. thank you, guys. It gets mm. our mojo working. And uh, the other little thing I wanted to mention mm. was your Conest. Yeah. Well, we should mention that. Um, it's going really well. There's, a, there's lots of people who obviously know their Tim Tams because um, they've picked themselves up a CD pack. So we could say congratulations to Rodney Frost. We could also say congratulations to Ellie Cottrell. We could say congratulations to Christy West. And 
One, I still work as a cracker, is Danny Radford. Danny Radford, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll let you read I'm it. I'm going to read this. This is fantastic. So Danny wrote to us. This made my made my day when I saw this. Yeah, that's a clean studio. Just listen to the Matt Formston episode, which is episode 90, which is a cracker, and he's about to race in Rio mm. um, in, in the games, which is very exciting for us. We'll be following him. But what was really cool about what Dad said is I was very surprised to hear some DJ shadow. I'm a big fan. And talk about Mojo, this guy is absolutely integral in setting new standards in sample-based music. I love his music. It may not be in your wheelhouse, but for you to read an interview with him and find gold in his words, I mean, he liked that. It was just really cool. So um, thank you, mate. He also sees the Tim Tans, but his note was, but there's no Corona fridge. Hello to my friends at Corona and Tim Tans. He's beaten us to the next competition. <laughs> so here's what you do, guys. Um, email us at the website at themojoradioshow.com. Go in there. You'll see the contact us page, the info at. Send us an email with your details in it and we will send a pack of CDs out to you. It's as easy as that. But thank you so much for leaving messages. It just makes our day, doesn't it, mate? It doesn't Absolutely. take much to make us happy. It doesn't at all. And just just quickly, that we I've still got a few CD packs left. So jump onto our Facebook page, which is the Mojo Radio Show podcast. I've pinned that post to the top, so it will always be at the top of our um, of our page. And all you've got to do is find the pack of Tim Tams, put in the comments where they are and share the post. And who knows, a, a pack of CDs could be headed your way next week. All right. Now, to wrap us up, mm-hmm. we have been on a bit of a crusade with the Beatles. Yeah. And I found a very interesting story about a guy called Klaus Vormann. The Mojo Radio Show's Lessons in Rock. The band approached him. In fact, it was John Lennon approached him and said, would you design the cover art for the album called Revolver, which went on to be a very, very successful uh, album for the band. Mm. Here's what Vorman said some years later. He got paid £50 for it. So it's one of the most legendary cover designs in history. It's all done in black and white. It has the four characters on the album cover with all these tiny faces and images that are sort of coming out the middle of their heads. It's a very, very interesting cover. Obviously, mm. obviously psychedelic and he had some help at the time. <laughs> However, Especially back in those days. Here's what he said in a recent interview, which I thought was rather cool. He said, it took me about three weeks to create the cover, but in terms of concentrated work about a week, much of that time was spent with scissors, scalpel and glue, selecting and arranging fragments of photographs within line drawings of the band members. In choosing to work in black and white, I wanted to not only shock, but I wanted for the work to stand out in a muddle of colour. Wow. My takeout for this was anywhere you look online, it is one of the iconic album covers of all time and Mm -hmm. it gave us a lot of great hits, one of which we will close the show with. Mm. But the thing for me to take out as the lesson is that any business owner, whether it's you're a sole operator, you've got a team of three or you've got a team of 800, I would challenge you to approach your brand, your promotion, your marketing materials, your website, your social, like Vorman said. I wanted for my work to stand out in a muddle of colour. My problem today, even watching the Olympics and all the ads, just a muddle of colour. There was nothing stands out. It's taking the time to consider what you could do. And although it took him three weeks, it was really one week of work. The other two weeks was considering and thinking and doodling and noodling. And I think if we stood back from our work and said, is that brochure really going to stand out? Does our website really stand out? Do our posts really stand out? Does our show really stand out? I think that's the stuff that to me is the, is the mark of greatness. And I think it's a good lesson to take because that is a very successful album. And I think we should play out with something from there, mate. What do you got? Well, I reckon since I went for the 20-week baby ultrasound yesterday and I'm a little bit excited, got to get you into my life might be a good one. 229, we're out. I was alone, I took a ride, I didn't know what I would find there. Another road where maybe I could see another kind of mind there. Ooh, then I suddenly see you, Did I tell you I need you every single day of my life? You didn't run, you didn't lie, you knew I wanted just to hold you. And 
Had you gone, you knew in time we'd meet again for I had told you. You were meant to be near me, ooh, and I want you to hear me say we'll be together every day. Got to get you into my life. What can I do? What can I be? When I'm with you, I wanna stay there. If I'm true, I'll never leave, and if I do, I know the way there. Ooh, and I suddenly see you. Ooh, did I tell you I need you every single day of my life? Got to get you into my life. Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybirtwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.